Psalms 14. Fools say to themselves, there is no God. They sin and commit evil deeds, and none of them does what is right. The Lord is looking down at the human race to see if there is anyone who is wise and seeks God. Everyone rejects God, and they are all morally corrupt. None of them does what is right, not even one. All those who behave wickedly do not understand those who devour my people as if they are eat, eating bread and don't call out to the Lord. They're absolutely terrified. For God defends the godly. You want to humiliate the oppressed? even though the Lord is their shelter. I wish the deliverance of Israel. I wish the deliverance of Israel would come out of Zion. would restore the well-being of his people. Lord, we ask you this morning, restore the well-being of your people. May Jacob rejoice. May Israel be happy.
Former things have come to pass. And new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise. 
from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea, and that is in it. The islands and the coastland and all the inhabitants sing a song, sing a song, sing a song. Sing the song of heaven as such one has never been heard on the earth. Sing the songs of Zion. Oh, wilderness and cities, lift up your voices. Let the villages and all the inhabitants from the rock of ages sing the song of Zion. Let them shout from the tops of the mountains. Let us give glory to the Lord. Give glory to the Lord. Great, great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Declare his praise. Go forth, mighty man. Go forth, Lord. Rouse up your jealous indignation against the nations.
days, oh ancient of days, keep, oh, long for Take away the shame and you take away the chains. You free me of the fear that holds me hostage here. And you open up the doors, you set me free. And I run into your arms. I won't forget all you've done. I won't forget all you've done and I won't forget all you've done for us Let it always be 
sin who redeemed us from death who healed our wounds and took our shame you you are king so we will praise you oh and come come and habit our praise we belong for you and all we've got is I'm pressing on I'm pressing on Press on I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you Jesus Fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you. I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you. Jesus, I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you. And I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you. Jesus, I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you. 
my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you And I'm pressing on And I'm pressing on Oh, let's press on I'm pressing on I fix my eyes on the prize looking at you, Jesus. I fix my eyes on the prize looking at you. Oh, I fix my eyes on the prize looking at you, Jesus. I fix my eyes on the prize looking at you. Entertain the people in the court. I'm here to please the king. I want to love on you, Lord. And I did not come to camp outside and view you through a haze. I look at the look into your eyes in the holy place. In the holy outside and view you through a haze. I've got to look into your eyes in the holy place. In the holy place. There's no going back to where I've been. Cause you're in me and I am free from sin. I'm pressing on. on the prize I'm looking at you oh I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you Jesus I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you to settle for the average or mundane because the spirit of Jesus Christ is flowing through my veins oh and I did not come to bow down and give in to fear of man I'll prophesy and sing a new song and dance your dance I'm gonna dance your dance Oh 
free and I am free from sin I'm pressing on oh, and I'm pressing on and I'm pressing on oh I'm pressing on oh, when I fix my eyes on the prize I'm looking at you Jesus, I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you. I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you, Jesus. And I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you. I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you, Jesus. I'm not looking at myself or how I can get out. Oh, I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you, Jesus, to know you, to be known by you. Oh, to know you, to be known by you, to know you, oh, to be known by you. Oh, I fix my eyes on the prize. I'm looking at you, Jesus. Fix my on the prize I'm looking at you I fix my eyes 
give in to your false security. Just look at me, look at me, look at me. Oh, this is what my blood paid for. This is what my blood paid for. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Your gaze is piercing me, oh, to the depths of me. You want all, you want all, you want all, you want all, you want all of me. Oh, all my goodness and badness I lay. Majesty comes from daughters and sons who hold up your name to declare you their God. 
a lot, but um, um, but I just I I have a word for you, Tommy Osherman, from the Lord. Um, and the Lord says this to you. He says, "I," and this is in um, Isaiah 22, um, actually 23. Um, he says, I will, I will fasten him like a peg into a solid place. Um, and I was asking, where was that mean? And he, um, he's bringing strength to your life and where you've needed, um, like things to, you want things to settle into a place of strength and, um, and it's been sort of like, I, I don't really know what to do. And this is kind of feels like it's loose. And uh, you've been going a long time saying yes to the Lord. But the Lord, no matter what you see with your own eyes, says solidity is coming to your life. And you will bring honor and respect to your, uh, your father's family. Uh, that you're, you're honorable and a respectable man. And it brings great uh, uh, blessing from the Lord over your life. He's very uh, moved by your life and the stand that you've taken. And you're, um, again, you have this respect in you and you have this honor in you, but the Lord confers it on you today. Um, and it will be conferred over your generational line and the blessing of your whole father's house. Sometimes like we feel like life is just coming around and sweeping us all over the place and trying to take us out, you know. Um, you know, many of us. And uh, the Word says, you know, that He will raise up oaks of righteousness. Um, he talks about in the Revelation, you know, uh, pillars in the house of the Lord. He raise up strength of character and strength of perseverance and strength of prudence, strength of temperance, the courage to do what's right in the face of overwhelming adversity and odds. 
Uh, you've been through a lot, Tommy, but it's like a rite of passage today uh, for you. And you crossed through a rite that God's been preparing you for, and you've made it to a new place in your life. Um, and the Lord wants to confer that onto you and say it publicly. Um, you know how, you know how sometime with knights, you know they'll knight them, and that's kind of what you're going through today. It's it's like that. Um, you know, welcome to a new season of your life. You can, yeah, take a deep breath. Uh, you made it through a lot of obstacles and hardship. Uh, but congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations, overcoming. Um, rites of passage come new levels of authority and so Lord I just pray you just increase the authority on uh, Tommy I pray Lord that as he gives himself into his community and his business and and how he's represented I just pray you'd increase his authority I thank you Lord that he's been faithful in season and out of season I thank you for his family Lord for Klesa and Benjamin I just thank you for joy in their marriage, Lord. I thank you for their household. I pray, Lord, that you would take this new season and raise them up, Lord, into just so they can flower and blossom, Lord. I thank you that the examination that you've had him under, they passed, and that you bear witness today, and that we can bear witness as a congregation that of passing the exam. Thank you for that, Lord. And I, I especially pray, Lord, for many um, young families and young men and men, Lord, that, that in the middle of hardship and facing difficulty, in the middle of going through things, that we would st be steadfast to trust you. Lord, make us steadfast in love. remains in all of us, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you mark out those in the body, Lord, that are in a secret and quiet place. They're just saying yes to you. They're not compromising their values and the systems of their life. They're saying, Lord, I trust you. And Lord, you see everything and you know everything in our private life and our public life. Thank you, Lord, for a people here this morning that are overcomers, that overcome. And by your blood, Lord, and by the testimony, you didn't love our lives even to the death. Thank you, Jesus, that you know how to make a man and you know how to make a woman. You know how to refix us. You know how to restore us back to yourself. Pray that we'd all be marked by this. 
that you're watching, your eyes see everything. Thank you, Austin. Thank you for doing that. There's nothing like celebrating others, and, and it's so special, you know, and because we don't, you know, some of it we don't know, you know, sometimes I don't know if you've experienced it. You like, I got passed over for a promotion, but the Father sees, the Father's watching, the Father sees everything, and He delights in you, and He has a way of. You know, it says, don't speak well of yourself, but let another man speak well of you. And that we can celebrate one another in this community of faith. And we can honor one another. With honor comes a reward. And we can bless one another. The more we get behind each other and encourage one another to strengthen, strengthen yourself and strengthen uh, in the Lord. And, and hold that fire in your heart and don't let go. So, amen. Amen. That's one of my favorite things in the military. I, when I served, uh, I love promotion. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a male thing. It's, I mean, we like getting bars or stripes or getting a bunch of medals on your chest and kind of sticking it out there and saying, yeah. I mean, look at this. I've been in this campaign, this campaign, this campaign. This campaign did combat in a foreign war. I said yes, and someone recognized it, and it's a really, you know, wonderful thing. And, um, and you know, there's a lot in the kingdom uh, of rewards. Doesn't it say in Scripture? We were going through this last night with the kids' devotion. You must believe that he what? And what? He's a rewarder. And the Lord will reward. And you know, and 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 he loves to give out rewards. And he loves to reward his people. And I like I like rewards. And I, I think if you're real to yourself, you do too. You know, um, some people say, well, I don't like rewards, but the Bible says that you must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Okay, so. God, God is not just, this is a technical theological term called double imputation. That he didn't only come to take away your sin, he came to give you his reward. And a lot of people are focused on he came to take away my sin. 
And, that, and that's wonderful. That's the believing that he is. But he's also a rewarder. And there is all these wonderful rewards the Lord wants to hand out to his people. He says, store up for yourself treasures where? Where, where moth and rust does not corrupt. And so when you set Jesus as your highest reward, and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what happens? All these things will be added to you. So much of the church, and, and I heard someone say this last week, has been like, you know, you, you've heard this, you're too heavenly minded what? To be any what? You know, that's not true. That's not true. It's a fundamental fact. That's a fallacy because Jesus says, what did he say? Seek first the kingdom, right? And his righteousness, all these things will be added. But he says in his prayer that heaven would come to earth. So he wants you to be heavenly minded. And being heavenly minded is the greatest earthly good. But if you give yourself only to the earth, you'll actually be neither heavenly or earthly in a good way. I mean, it, it, you're actually not doing anybody any favors being earthly. We need to set our eyes on what the kingdom of God is saying, what the kingdom of heaven is proclaiming. Give ourselves to that and translate heaven into the earth. Faith is the title deed hoped for, the objective proof of an unseen reality. Heaven is objective. It's not subjective. Heaven is objective and it is more real than what you see with your own eyes right now and everything is trying to assault the human spirit to get us into an earthly mode and so many people have set their eyes into idolatry and immorality and yet the Lord says no look up lift up your eyes from whence cometh what my help comes from where the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. All right. I mean, let's take an offering this morning. Then we've got a lot of material to cover today in the preaching. Lord, we thank you this morning for an opportunity to give. I thank you, Lord, that you make us extravagant givers, that we don't hold back, that in the face of overwhelming odds, Lord, that our first propensity is to give and to bless. And is out of that giving that you, that you give, Lord, and are so generous, that you open up the floodgates, Lord, and you take care of things that we cannot take care of. I pray you give us a mindset like that, that we are a people that give and not holding on. In your name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give. To the serpent low Said the king upon his throne You've deceived and lied, my child has gone into exile. But I will go, I will make a way home. And I will bleed like the
And out upon the sand Said the devil Take my hand You your bended knee You will hold Everything you see But the king said no spotless lamb undone and I will fall but not to you in the dark in the shadows light has come in the quiet I, uh, before I get started, I'm just, just going to pray for God's anointing and unction to preach this word. Jesus, I come to you with, um, uh, before you, I ask you for um, your wisdom and for your anointing to uh, minister this word to the, <clears throat> the body of Christ. Uh, I thank you, Lord, as you said, coming in this morning, you would begin to boost this signal. And I pray that this word would begin to spread out across the nations, Lord, that would honor you and it would lift you up. And nothing that is said, Lord, would be any the wiser, or that it would be that which blesses you and gives you the praise that you're due. Lord, I thank you for 
this prophetic word this morning, I pray it would be and bring encouragement to our hearing and to our understanding. I pray, Lord, for everyone on the sound of my voice, that this word would take root in our heart and that it would, um, it would not be stolen or it would not be washed out or by the cares of this life and the things of this world. I pray deeply that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. In your mighty name we pray, amen. As many of you know, Kara and I, for about a period of 17 years, lived on a mountaintop in Saluda, uh, which I, I kind of call it the uh, Sinai, <laughs> or like the backside of Saluda. And during, that, and during that series, or that season that we were in, that 17 years, uh, he gave me this word to give out to the, uh, the body of Christ as we're represented here in Asheville, but also at large in the nations. And I, I've told this story a lot, and so I'm not going to rehearse the story, but out of this came a series of phases of God's end-time plan for the restoration of man unto glorification. And also with that, phases as it relates to the earth and the raising up of a new world order. And as we began to progress, I began to realize that there were basically two orders on the earth. There was God's order, and there was another order that had been spawned basically by Lucifer. And, and, and when you read Scripture, you can see clearly that these two orders are in contention with one another. And of course, we know who wins. We know who overcomes the world. And we know that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Faith. So we, we know that we know because we can read and look at history because you know it's you've heard this said, those who do not study history are doomed to what? Repeat it. And we know that when we look at, for instance, Genesis eleven and Genesis twelve, you can see two different orders. Right there, Genesis 11 being the order of Nimrod, right? And the raising up of, of a tower called what? And a man, Nimrod, mighty, a mighty man. A mighty man that can get all these people together and build a technological achievement even of its day. And he says something that's very interesting. It's important to understand this as the mechanism that's laid behind these two orders, he says, I will make my name great. The order, the new world order, 
And Nimrod's order, the whole function behind it is, I will. And then there's another order. And God says to Abram when he calls him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, I will make your name great. It all depends on where you put the eye and whose eye it is. One order comes from man and is man's desire to promote himself and the other one comes from God and his desire to make Abram great. And so you have these two competing orders of life. This competition of order has been going on all the way back since Adam. Everything, everything, and just give you a little philosophy behind New World Order ideology versus Melchizedek Order ideology. Just the fundamental basis of it is any tendency in the human heart to promote oneself, to make oneself great, to bring oneself forward. You can know it does not come from the order of God. God is not into humanism. So humanism says the end of all being is the happiness of man. Christianity says the end of all being is to the glory of God. I was made to glorify him. And so we have these two orders. Let's not be confused. There's not anything else. And I say this because the Lord really probably would like to simplify things. There's a lot of confusion going on right now. This is the tactic of the enemy is confuse everybody. But let us be clear. Mankind in the end of this age will seek after a king. And his name will either be Jesus or he'll be another king. Uh, we call him Antichrist. And many Antichrists have been out. And we've seen some of them pop their heads up throughout uh, history, right? There must be, and you hear me say this probably week in and week out, a pledge, a pledge of loyalty. Everything in this world wants to seek to get your pledge to the loyalty of one king onto another king. It, it's seeking, everything is seeking to take away your pledge. Especially you that are the, the elect of God to take your pledge away from one king for every nation, the king, uh, Jesus, wants to pull your pledge out of your heart. Wants you to get a little genuflexure, a bowing of the knee to another system. And that, that the Lord is allowing this on the earth is going to become more and more evident as we go forward and as the days march forth. Who are you going to serve? And there are, there are things that are coming at us right now and they're going to get more difficult. Your decision making is going to be tried. You're going to be tried in your integrity your authenticity, your loyalty to the Lord. And the Lord is going to allow this on our lives. 
You'll be tried in your relationships, your finance, and your health. And some of us are struggle in one of those or two of those or all three of those, and it tries to come at you. And I, I want to encourage you this morning to ask the Lord to never make a decision to choose your, to choose your own life. What did Jesus say? You say, Carol, I want to hear this. What did Jesus say? If you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, what? You'll find it. Do not get into a philosophy of going around trying to pick yourself. It is antithetical to the Melchizedek order. It will not work. And I'll tell you, as this thing comes, begins to become unglued, and it is, y'all are seeing it. Some of you are older than me, and you're watching things that you've never seen before. Whoever thought that in a free nation they would force vaccination? I mean, whoever thought we did not think that this would happen? Uh, Mom called in this morning and said, a gentleman, he's in the Marine Corps, is going to get out because of the forced vaccination. They threatened him to court-martial him. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that. Just think about what's going on. Now, up on that mountain for 17 years, I received a prophetic revelation of phases for the end time. And I share with you, there's a process that the earth is going to go through of these 12 phases. And the Lord, in 2009, this is your design. I don't understand what's going on. 2011, the phase names come out. 2013, y'all have heard the story. I'm going to show you I'm giving a global word because you don't believe me, little guy. So I'm going to kill Nelson Mandela. He was dead three days later because you don't believe what I'm saying to you. I'm going to glorify man, pioneer for a glorified body. I'm going to restore all things here at the end of the age. Mandela's dead three days later. Well, I, I'm like, wow. This is, I mean, I have had a hard time, even as someone has received this from the Lord, even believing it myself. But I remember in 2011 when he started these phase names, he said, phase one, oil factory. I'm going to raise up a people. I'm going to raise up factories of oil. I was like, what's that? And he said, well, look at like IHOP KC in Kansas City. He said, that's an oil factory. I was like, oh, you know how it says about the five virgins, ten virgins, five got oil and five didn't? He said, go get oil. You know, not the Rockefeller type. <laughs> But the rock of ages type. <laughs> Go get you some oil. You, you need to get immersed into the prayer movement. You, you need to go and give yourself day and night to worship and intercession of Jesus. Go get oil. That's phase one. Phase two, Shulamite prototype. I'm going to raise up a bridal company. They're going to be marked out even above, it says in Song of Solomon. It says, there are virgins without numbers and so many concubines and so many queens, but I have one bride. 
I've got one bridal heart that is, burns hot in intercession and love for me as king. He said, I'm going to raise up a Shulamite out of the midst of the nations that will be completely mine. You know, she'll burn hot in love for me. She comes out of the fire of intercession and prayer night and day. And phase three, build a philanthropic base. What, is feeling, what does it mean to be philanthropic? The base of the human heart must be built to give and to become generous. That everything we do must flow from generosity. And we're, we're John 3.16, right? Probably the most misunderstood, most quoted verse that there is. So many people don't see that what he's saying is he gave his only. God gave the best when he gave the son. He didn't hold back. He was extravagant in love, extravagant in generosity. And, and you know the human tendency is to hold on and grip back when the Lord says, give, give, release, let go. Quit holding on to this world's good. Quit holding on to things. Quit holding on to yourself. Quit trying to protect yourself. Give, give, be generous. God's building a base in the human soul. I said, Lord, this generosity is a deconstructor. It doesn't sound like a base. He's like, no, I meant man to not be like this. I meant man to be like this on the earth. I meant man not to build their architecture off of how they could base themselves in this world. I meant for your life to be walking around with me and I would come down like as another pyramid and I would base myself into your pyramid which was an upside down kingdom. You know what I mean? You know that when you give and you show generosity, it destabilizes your um, budgets. <laughs> what budget? I just gave what I had away. I don't have a budget. I just kept giving. How am I going to? I don't know what's going to happen next. Why? Because the Lord would like to keep you on your toes, on your feet, so to speak. God never meant for you to find a place in this world. God meant to keep you... Now, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how I'm going to make it because he wanted to be in charge. I mean, why would he take Jacob's hip out of joint? I mean, it's only then that he gets a name change. And the man's stumbling around now. God's not trying to get you because people confuse God's blessing with more stuff. The Lord's not trying to get you all the time where you feel stable in this world's good. Might as well hear it from up here. I know this because I have to live this way. And I'm very, very close to him. <laughs> He's my father. I love him. He loves me. And I see how he treats me. If he treats me that way, I'm sure he's going to treat you that way too. <laughs> he doesn't want you to find your stability in this world. He wants you to find your stability in Him. And that is the greatest satisfaction of the human heart is when it burns hot in love for Him. So what does He do? He said, hey, little flock, Luke, right, you know this? It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then everybody forgets the next part. Not everybody, but a lot of people. Take what you have and give it to the poor. <laughs>
this kingdom life is based off of generosity. So God begins to build a philanthropic base inside of you. And I don't, no one ever has the right to tell you how to be generous, but the Holy Spirit does. And whatever he says to you, do it. If he says, give your house away, your cars away, your lands away. If he says, give all your money away. If he says, give your life away. That's the most prudent thing you can do. Build a philanthropic base. Let the basis of your life be that which is generous. Because that's exactly how he is. I promise you this, you'll never outgive him either. <laughs> He'll outdo you every time. Because he's not going to be insulted. You'll never outgive a king. Phase four, progeny encompassed. That one was a little confusing for me. The Lord knew that in some way we were disconnected and dislocated from him and that the only way that restoration could take place, he would have to take you, the sons and daughters and all of us, and pull us back into his self and hold us. He would encompass us round about. He would set a fire around you. You ever give everything away and then all of a sudden you get all these restrictions? I mean, you think, it's my blessed life now. I just give everything away. And then the restrictions came in more. You build a philanthropic base. You started to give everything and everything in the world began to break down. Anybody else had this experience? Or is it just our family? Do you know what I mean? And you saw that what you trusted in is not worth trusting in anymore. The idolatry of the human heart, the adultery of the human heart. And then you said, but I gave you everything. And then it starts to be like it gets put with a fire. The fire comes around you. You've been encompassed by God. He's like, because you gave to me, I'm going to put a fire on you. I'm going to burn up everything that's hindering the love and the affection between me and you. Lord, I gave everything to you. Lord, I didn't want everything to break. That was everything you were trusting in, but not me. Take that for the prosperity gospel. <laughs> you give to God and he gives you adversity. <laughs> He'll bring you into rest and expand you, though, let me tell you. Because there's not just death and burial, there is resurrection and ascension. If there was no resurrection, we would be of those utmost miserable <laughs> But God wants to put his arms around you and compass you. You know, the thing that really like awakened me about this was when I got to phase five. And phase five is called Crown Reaper. And I said, well, you know, wow. You're going to send a Crown Reaper. Well, I'm going to test your loyalty. I'm a monarch. I'm a king. I'm going to test the nation's loyalty to me. Hey, we got to... We don't want this crown. I'm going to show up the left and the right. I'm going to show the hypocrisy of the liberal and the legal system. I'm going to show that the blue and the red as a party... 
I'm going to show the differences in the nations between your socioeconomics, your politics, your gender biases, your, the way that you look at each other ethnically. I'm going to get at the whole thing. I'm going to show you that Zion is the only place that's going to matter. Psalms 87. He's going to show us that the ones who are born in Zion, that's where the register of deeds is in the earth right now. I want, I want to be registered in Zion. I'm going to send a crown reaper. I'm going to say, my head, my head. Pass out. Some pulling on their heads will die. I'm sending a crown reaper. And today, like, like never before, this thing is taking place on a global scale. That's phase five. Folks, if I'm right and I've been truly raised up by the Lord for this time, for this message, we don't have long or far to go before our king splits the eastern sky. You know, when he's all that matters, when he becomes your greatest passion, when he's more important to you than houses and lands and people, when he becomes everything, when you're tired of the games and you're tired of the politics, you're tired of the whole thing, and you long for him more than you do your very own life. You wake up in the morning and you say, I want you, Lord. And you go to bed at night and you say, I want you, Lord. As the spirit and the bride says, come. And globally, we realize that worshiping him is where it's really at. I don't want anything else. The crown reaper comes to expose all that and to show us this thing is not working. These systems are not working. In phase six, and I want to like get into this today, taking the subterranean transit Two underground movements are beginning and will begin to show their head. One of them, they call it the, uh, what do they call that? Is it called the dark, deep state? Is that what they call it? Deep state, right? You hear this language? Ours is called a root will rise, called the branch. There's a root rising called a Davidic house, a family whose loyalty is to Jesus and him only. Amos 9-11. In that day, I will rebuild the collapsing hut of David. I'll seal up its gaps. I'll repair its ruins. And I'll restore it to what it was like in days gone by. This is in Amos 9-11. is in the context of this. And when you look at Amos 9-11, it's called, if you were to give it a title, The Restoration of a Davidic Dynasty. You know, I started into this last week because we're in a new series called Event Horizon. Event Horizon means the point of no return. 
I jokingly said, and Stephen laughed last week, we were joking with each other, we thought we were at the point of no return many times. And the Lord's like, no, not quite. <laughs> you haven't jumped enough. <laughs> you haven't lost enough yet. Okay, now you're at the point of no return. Uh, he's saying it this morning. There's no turning back. I'm telling you, the Lord's doing a shakedown right now, and you're either on one with him or you're not. I'm not saying that there's not people that won't turn to him. The days are deceptive like never before. The days are dark. We've never seen anything like this before where people would be more afraid of something that would cause pneumonia than cancer. Or possibility. I mean, we've never seen anything like this in the history, I don't think, of man. Now, I could be wrong, but I, I know the Black Plague was amazing what it was, but it was... It was located into one geography. This is a global issue. I mean, in India, I mean, in Europe, it's everywhere. In the middle of, in the middle of COVID-19 or the crown reaper hitting the earth, in the middle of it, the Lord is saying, I'm going to restore a Davidic dynasty. Amos 9.11. Last week, I began with you to begin to expound Amos 9.11. Excuse me, the week before last. And what I, I want to do this morning is, um, yes, I want to tell a story. Because what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to juxtapose Revelation 9.11 with Amos 9.11. Because of the experience I had this week, and I think it's very much of an import to what's going on. I'm going to share the story this morning. I have, you know, thought, should I share the story? But I believe the Lord is saying, I want you to tell uh, what happened because it matters uh, right now. Present tense, what we're going into. Last Sunday, we had um, our um, celebration. This ministry scorecard was, is not nickels and noses. This ministry scorecard after Starlink 7 was overcoming the Pergamon throne of Satan. <laughs> and we passed. <laughs> I thought, isn't that interesting to celebrate on? An overcomer company in the end times. Anyway, so we celebrated and we ate together. So the Lord brought a confirmation and said, this examination on this ministry has passed. And, and so I go to bed that night. It was last Sunday. Uh, I had a pretty, really bad headache. I took some ibuprofen or something and Carrie gave me. And we go to bed and I'm asleep. Immediately am woke up at 3.33. And when I wake up, I'm in a complete panic. And I tell you of a truth, I've had a lot of experiences. As you all know, some of those, I've, I've been out of body. I've been in the second heavens. I've had to deal with angels and demons. I've seen the Lord. I've been encountered by the Holy Spirit. We've been through a lot in our family. I've never experienced like what happened 
at 3.33 in the morning. The only way I can describe it is it felt like someone was extracting my very life out of my person. I was running around flailing all over the place. And I knew that I was going to die. And I don't know if you've ever faced death or been at the point or brink of death, but I never have. I mean, I'm the guy that says, I will not die. <laughs> I've been telling my kids that. Your daddy's not going to die or I'm unsuccessful in ministry because we're going to meet him in there. He's going to split the eastern sky. If this ministry is successful, I will not die. And in that moment, I was convinced I am going to die. It's weird, and I don't know if you know this, how this works. Maybe some of you do. But there's something inside of you that causes you to actually operate. Like your body has some kind of something in it that keeps it alive. I don't know what that thing is. I don't know if it's your consciousness. I don't know if it's your, I don't know what it is. And so many of us would say, well, it's just the heart keeps operating. But something's causing the heart to operate. Whatever it was, it was being pulled out of my chest. And I could feel it, my eyes are going blurry, and I I'm beginning, I can't see. And then I'm completely panicked. And I'm like, i got to calm down and take death like a man. You're going to die, and you might as well suck it up. So I go outside on the little deck, over the McManus' little deck, and I'm outside, and it's not an air issue, because I'm thinking I can't, maybe it's I can't breathe, or maybe it's I have COVID. And the Lord speaks to me, says, you do not have COVID. But I'm thinking, if this is what COVID is, no wonder everybody's freaking out. And I'm joking around, but I'm like, I'll take 47 masks. You know, I'm just like, stick me with everything. I mean, it's, just, it's that scary. I was like, poke, poke me, poke me, poke me, do anything. Like, I'm going to die. And Kara wakes up. And I'm laying on the floor, and I tell her, I said, honey, it's over with. I'm so sorry I'm leaving you and the kids. I'm leaving y'all, and I don't have anything I can do about for you or the kids. And i sorry I left you like this. And there, I, I had so much planned for y'all. And I think you're, you know, and I'm really upset. And I'm mourning them being left on the earth without their daddy and without her husband. And it's real, as real as anything is to me. So we leave, we leave, and we get in the car to go to the VA hospital and I calm down about when we get into Fletcher and it takes me until we're coming back to decide that it's not too good of hope I'm not gonna die I mean it's that real to me you're done and uh, we get back to the house about 530 in the morning her and I we go to bed and wake up at 930 and the Holy Spirit immediately speaks to me and he says, what verse are you in in Psalms 119? And I said, I'm in verse 87. He said, read it. So I go to 119, Psalms 119.87. I look down and I read this and it says, they have almost destroyed me here on the earth, but I do not reject your precepts. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He said, that was a real experience. That wasn't a panic attack. That wasn't COVID. You didn't make that thing up. The destroyer came to extract your life out of your body. 
And I mean, partly I'm like, yeah, right. Like I even have a hard time with what I'm saying. So I just want you to know that because I'm a bit of a skeptic, actually. People wouldn't believe that, but I hold a lot of things in skepticism. I'm having a hard time believing that myself. But as it is with the Lord, he'll begin to explain things. So I go out and I'll share this with Tom and Janie. And Janie ends up communicating to Tom, who communicates to me because we, had, we were going somewhere, communicates to me that the night before, she was given Jeremiah 33.3. Right, Janie? The night before. And so because this happened at 3.33, exactly, I thought that Janie receiving this put an import on Jeremiah 33. Now, I want you to hear like what the context of Jeremiah 33 is and see if it sounds familiar to what's going on in this ministry right now. Jeremiah 33, the Lord promises to Jeremiah a second time he's going to bring a restoration of Judah and Israel. And Jeremiah is in a courtyard of a guardhouse. He's in confinement. He's got someone watching over him so he can't get out. And he's in this courtyard and he's, he's quarantined, so to speak. And the Lord says this, I, the Lord, do these things. What does that say? God is sovereign. I'm sovereign over all things. I'm in charge. Someone said to me the other day, said, Satan's a junkyard dog, but he's on a chain. Lucifer's on a chain. He can't, he can't do anything that the Father doesn't permit, i.e. Job, like Brian Weatherwin was speaking to me the other night about. He can't do anything he's not permitted to do. I, the Lord, do these things. I, the Lord, formed the plan to bring it about. I'm actually the one that sets the plans in, a, in motion. I'm the one that brings things about. I'm in charge. Listen, when that Psalms 119.87, it says, I do not forsake your precepts. That word precepts, what it means is, I recognize the authority of God and that he's in charge. I recognize authority. He's in charge and I submit to that authority. He's the one that has the plan. I, I hope this is reassuring. I'm sure Jeremiah felt like, especially being in confinement or quarantine, that maybe God, wasn't, maybe God wasn't with him. I mean, why did I go all the way out to serve you, Lord, and now I feel like I'm being boxed in from every side? Anybody understand what I'm saying? Anybody bear witness in this hour of what it feels like to say all in for the Lord, but you've come into a place of confinement? And you're like, you're sort of like, man, if I could just get out, or if I could just go do this, or I could do that. And the Lord's like, no, you stay still. If you don't, I'll break your leg. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> ah, just come out of my mouth. I'll take your hip out of joint. No, no, God would never do that, would he? He told me this morning in worship, he said, you know what y'all are praying? He said, I'm going to have to break a bunch of Jacob's legs. And I'm going to put them in a splint. 
But they don't want to, they don't like this feeling. They don't like this feeling of being hemmed in on every side. They want to go, but I got to say something to them. Because every time you feel a vacancy and a void, and you're like, is God with me? This is super applicable, right? Well, I want to get out. If I could just go do that, and if I could just do that thing, and I could do that. He said, no, sit still. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm the one that designed your confinement. I'm the one that set a guard with a 30-06 or whatever. And I got my eyes on you. Don't you move. <laughs> because we by nature, I, I, I'll just say it, my nature, you get into the presence of the Lord and he puts you into quarantine or confinement, you want to get out of that thing. I'm a nomad. I'm a pioneer. You know, what you pioneering? I'm a missionary. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a businessman. <laughs> you know, I got things I got to do. Lord, stop what you're doing and listen to me. I'll send a destroyer if I have to. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to listen to you. <laughs> Don't like take my life off the earth. <laughs> I'm trying to listen to you. Am I got your attention yet, little guy? You who got your eyes into so many different things? Me. Not me, Lord. Yeah, because when it really comes down to it, you'd choose your life over me. Or you'd choose your wife and your kid's life over me. You don't know until you face certain things the way you'll act. They say this about people who go into war and they go AWOL. I mean, they said, run up that hill right now and take that hill. Mm. Smack. That's what they did back in the day. They fratricide you. They'll kill you if you divert off of a command from a commanding officer. That's how it was. I don't know if it's still like that. Because I, I, I went in Marine Corps. I was Air Force. is a little bit, you know, different. <laughs> Donnie's smiling because he ran with the Marines as a naval corpsman. You know, but he's like, I don't know what they do today if you say I'm off point, man. I'm not taking that heel. Abandon all my brothers. Oh, you, oh, really? I'll break your leg. You better not leave us sitting here like this. Are you a coward? I will not forsake your preset. Even if you try to kill me. Do you see, do you see what's going on? What's, where, where we're going to be? Where, what kind of level of understanding we're going to need? What you're going to have to face when everything's coming against you and the word of the Lord hadn't executed on your life yet and you're wait on the Lord until he tells you move. Don't you move. The word of the Lord's trying to come to you because he's saying something and that sounds all intense and everything, but it is. I'm the one that's making the plans here. I'm the one that's calling the shots. Who do you think you are? I'm entitled. <laughs> I got some things I'd like to do. I've been having fun doing things. No, you sit still and be, you be still until I tell you to move. I'm in charge. And he says, I'm, I'm known as the Lord. <laughs> I like this about the Lord. I'm known as the Lord. You going to go away too? I'm known as the Lord. I'm known as the guy that's in charge of everything. 
Just saying. I like that because in the age of anti-masculinity, <laughs> you know, it's just like, what, you didn't know I was in charge? <laughs> I'm the Lord. That's, I like that. And I say to you, listen to what he says. I'm in charge. I say this to you. Call on me in prayer. Oh, man, doesn't that make you feel good? Hey, command. Call on me, and I will answer you. And I'll show you mysterious things. You know what's interesting is this word mysterious, do you know what it means? It basically means things that could not be seen because you're uh, confined to a fortress. Or you're confined with walls all around you can't see. He said, I'll show you something that in confinement, otherwise you would never be able to see. I couldn't understand it, man, on that mountain. It's like, I don't know how many times I was like, I'm going to get a Penske truck. I'm running off this mountain. And I'd get out there and I'd try. You ain't going anywhere. I'd go out and throw myself in the gravel. I've pushed my face into the mouth. I've eat dirt on purpose just to show the Lord that I can get off this thing or feel sorry for me or something. Mm-mm. No, because I'm wanting to say something to my people. I'll break your leg if I have to. Well, we don't think of God like this. It's his goodness, folks. It's because he loves so much that love goes to war. Love will face you off. Love loves so much. The Holy Spirit loves us so much that if he had to, even though it would break his own heart to do it, he would put you in quarantine. He would confine you. He would set you down until you don't move until I speak to you. He says, he says, I will show you these mysterious things which you still do not even know about. Now, you know this about you, and I know this about me. Everything that I know about, I think I know. But I certainly don't know what I don't know. But I think I do. <laughs> Isn't that the way a human nature is? You think you know everything that you know up to the point that you know it. And no one's going to tell you anything else because you don't know about it. And God's saying, you don't know everything. Sadie tells Leander that all the time. <laughs> and he gets madder than a firecracker. I do know something. <laughs> right, Leander? I know. I told the kids, quit saying I know stuff. It's better to be known than to say you know. I'd rather be known by God than say that I know him. Because Matthew 7 says, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. It's better to be known than it is to know. Anyways, I'm the Lord of Israel. I'm the God of Israel. Have something, I have something more to say. <laughs> now listen up. Well, this is in the context, and this is kind of interesting, but this is in the context of Zedekiah's eyes are going to be put out in Jeremiah 33. Zedekiah is going to be taken off into captivity. The whole southern kingdom is going to be absolved. Why is God coming to Jeremiah and speaking to him about the gathering of a remnant of Judah and Israel? Israel. 
if Zedekiah, who's the southern kingdom, is being absorbed and the northern kingdom's already been carried off years before? Why is he talking to him about that? Could it be that Jeremiah is prophesying into today? Could it be that it says he came to him a second time? Because there's a second advent? Could it just be that Jeremiah is prophesying into the end times like Daniel will later? That Daniel will prophesy double fulfillment? He'll prophesy into his now and into the future apocalyptically? The literature that we read today out of scripture? Could it be that God is speaking to Jeremiah? trying to get his attention. I'm going to raise up a remnant family into the age. I'm going together the Judah and the Israel and I'm going to restore them back together as a family. I have something more to say. I can't tell you how many times I say this is personal application to you. That you go into the Lord and you get down on your face and you seek him and he gives you a little bit of information. You get up and you run and you go do your stuff, right? I can't tell you how many times and how profound. This has happened to me numerous times. If you'll go back to him again. I mean, you're already so satisfied. He already satisfied something. Maybe it's a question that you had. That I just want to say this is application. Go back for a double dose. Oh man, it's the information in the second encounter that really, really brings an awareness like you've never seen. We already think it's enough in our life to really seek the Lord like one time. And we go there and he answers some of our personal questions. And this happens in this room. When we worship the Lord, a lot of times you come in here and we all come in here together and we have personal issues. We have things that we need God to resolve for us in our heart. You can feel it in the room. People are wrestling. They're battling stuff. Maybe you had something going on before you came in the room because there are personal things happening in your life. But in this room, the Lord had shared with me years ago. He said, "If, if you don't break through your own personal thing, and really come into a place where you enter into the court of God and bring heaven to earth. You're missing the whole point. Uh, does God not love us? Will he not bind up your uh, wounds and heal your diseases and take care of you? And I know that sometimes you hear what we get into up here. I'm just like, let's just zoom on past that and get into the glory of God. And then sometimes the Lord will say, you got to slow down, Carol, son. Some of them, they need some healing. I'm like, now let's just get into, the, get into you. Forget all that. I'll just come out like, I'm limping. I'm going to serve you, Lord, if it's on one knee or if you kill me. <laughs> you know. And I, I realize not everybody thinks that way. Well, I don't hardly ever realize it. Because a lot of ministry is set to fulfill your needs. They're like, how can you get you straightened out? And you come to ministry to get that. Well, in here, we're not, I'm not real good at that. I just want to admit it. But I love you. But I want to get into what he's saying real fast. I'm like, hey, my, my, I've already been through this enough. My needs, he'll take care of it. Let's get into the kingdom. 
And that's what happens in here a lot of times. And people say, well, they're not giving us time and we can't enter in. And uh, I used to be able to worship. And I'm like, dude, like get into the Lord. I know it sounds kind of strict, doesn't it? He's the Lord. He has the plans. He's got you. He's going to take care of you. Now let's get his kingdom done. Let's bring his kingdom, right? Let's get into the second meeting. Let's not get into the meeting that's all about me. Let's get into the meeting that's all about him. I got something I want to say the Lord would say to us. I, I'm wanting to say something. I heard what you needed, and he loves us, folks. He does. And I mean, and I, I've cried a lot, and I've sucked my thumb a lot. And last week, I scared half out of my wits, and I get it. We go through some stuff, and we need healing. We need our hearts. But, man, let's get into what his plan is. Let's get into what he has to say. Let's really, like, do something with the Lord. I think that that's the attention that's coming here in Jeremiah. Well, I don't know if you remember, but in Amos 9-11, we went through three components. There was the his ruins, masculine singular, broken places, feminine plural, he will build it, feminine singular. And, I, and I, if you take notes, take notes on this. Because I'm going to say it for the next two or three weeks. There's this three-stage plan in God's mind to raise up the fallen booth of David. First, he wants to deal with his ruins. He wants to deal with us. It's what I'm saying. We're, we're no good to God's overarching plan when we're always having to drink some milk. I mean, God knows that. This isn't the, necessarily the place to get all your pastoral needs satisfied. Because we're on a mission here. I don't know if you realize that. And you've been pastored, and you're loved. And you've been pastored by a lot of great pastors. And there's a lot of great pastors here. But we're on a mission And he wants to deal with the ruinous of the human heart. He wants to take you from being divided and make you Davidic. But folks, this season has shifted. And we're in the place of what's called the broken places because God is bringing a dwelling place into the earth. Well, how does a dwelling place work? Well, I'm learning it works like this. Labor, therefore, to enter into the rest of God. I'm not at rest. I have anxiety. I have anger. I have anguish. I have, like Janie was saying, that these emotions are hitting us. He said, wait on me. Wait on me. Wait on me. Don't move until you can. Wait until your soul rests. You know how you know when it rests? It's this peace. It's this repose. You enter into love. You feel his spirit. There's the presence of God. You experience that. Now, hear me out. Don't. Don't lose me. That's why you were going through his ruins. Because God wanted to bring you into rest. And everything out of rest will bring God's blessing. But you, to get into a dwelling place, to restore the broken places, you've got to learn to dwell with him. And a lot of times dwelling means that you can't just move around all the time. 
You can't really dwell when you're always fidgety and moving around and trying to get something done over here and over there. You got to get still. You got to get quiet. You got to listen to the still small voice of God speak to you. You want to see your families healed? Do you want to see this nation healed? Get along with God and get quiet and listen to Him. God's bringing about a restoration of broken places. And I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. Broken places means the bringing together of Israel and Judah. And I shared this with you two weeks ago. The Lord's going to bring the north and the south together. Never happened, Carol. Them gray coats and blue coats. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Yes, it is. The northern and the southern kingdom of Israel and Judah will unite in the end of the age. We'll become a family. Because we'll realize it isn't about the blue coat and the gray coat, which is just an aspect of the left, and the red coats, the British army. We're really a royal family. I mean, we've been selling ourselves short. I don't want to be a blue, gray, or red. I don't want to be a Union soldier or a Southern, what a Confederate soldier. I don't want to be a red coat either. Clothed in royalty. Sons and daughters of a king. Yeah! <laughs> Take some of that. I mean, the British, I mean, the whole British royal thing had fell into a red coat. Just saying. They were already losing. Their presence. They had already losing it in the nations and were at war with us. They had already devolved. They weren't a true dynasty. Not the dynasty of heaven, not the one the Lord's bringing about. I'm going to restore the broken places. And so, Jeremiah 33, same thing as Amos 9 11. Hear me. So I'm like um, scratching my head on what happened Monday morning. That was Sunday night, Monday morning, 3.33. And um, Karen and I was driving in the car. In front of us pulls this car, and on the tag of it, it says Apollyon. And I said, who? I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say to Karen, but I said, who in the world puts Apollyon on the back of their car tag in North Carolina? Apollyon. I said, man, that's interesting. And then I'm like, oh, it can't be. And then we keep on going down towards Biltmore House, and then all of a sudden that car comes back. And I was like, man, maybe there's something to this. I go look up. Apollyon, look at it with me this morning as a juxtaposition between Amos 9-11, and Janie brought this out actually, and Revelation 9-11. Does that number sound familiar? Oh, interesting. That was yesterday, wasn't it? 20 years of the war on what? Interesting. Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. I say, I say that because I didn't even put any of this together. I didn't even realize we were coming into 9-11. I just know that the Thursday prayer meeting, the Lord... Brings us together, Revelation 9-11 and Amos 9-11. And then we're going to enter into yesterday, 
Look at Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. They had as a king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. It has taken me a little while to process. I went up, Sadie had a doctor's appointment. I go into Starbucks, the new one they built over there in Biltmore Village. I'm sitting in there and I said, Lord, what is going on? Why this Apollyon? He's like, well, just look up what his name means. Apollyon means the destroyer. And it immediately took me back to Psalms 119.87. They had thought to destroy me from the face of the earth. Yet I forsook not your plan, your authority, your right to govern. And I said, Lord, I mean, could it be? Apollyon. Uh, Stephen brought it out this morning. I don't know if y'all know the story. Pilgrim's Progress. A Christian had to wrestle, wrestles with Apollyon. Now, I'm not, you know, my wife has been, Carol, be real careful about saying this because it can scare people, right? It was terrifying. Let me just say it. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. He had thought to destroy my name from the face of the earth. And yet I, I will forsake not your precept, Lord. Right now, like right now, and I didn't know this till the next day, Friday, someone texted me, Dr. Shiva, and said, Carol, do you know about the CERN Collider? Did you know they put a Shiva thing over there at the collider? Is a dedication to the collider over there? And I said, no, and do you know anything about how they say that Apollyon and this abyss that is going to be opened up by another collider? I said, I had no idea. I had no idea. I know the Lord said, call this a collider, but there's another collider. And I don't know, y'all can look into this because I haven't even had time to look into it yet. But get this, the name Shiva, you know what Shiva means? The destroyer. The one who brings destruction. I thought, Lord, you really are saying we've come to a point of no return. The Lord in this hour, uh, Stephen, you come for it. The Lord in this hour is, it's obvious. He's going to have an Amos 9-11 and a Revelation 9-11 in the end of the age. We've been marked by this catastrophe that happens 20 years ago in this nation when they brought the Twin Towers down. I prophetically speak to you. There's one coming up out of the miasma of a pit. His name is Apollyon, who has control. And you can read about it in Revelation 9-11 and Ford that seeks to destroy man from the face of the earth. And yet at the same time, at the exact same time, God is raising up a remnant royal family unto his name who will glorify him.
There are two colliders. There's one that seeks after a God particle so they can be God. There's another one where God will make himself known. And he'll raise up a family of glory unto himself. One that Jesus has purchased and paid for at Calvary's tree. There's a new world order, folks. And there's a Melchizedek order. Who's on the Lord's side? on the Lord's side I've been purchased by blood I've been redeemed he paid the price he counted the cost for us even this destroyer Apollyon can't take your life unless the Lord permits it God's in control he has the plan I don't like being tried on every side I don't like being placed into a restriction right now more than ever if you're being placed in restriction if you've been quarantined by God if he's saying hey quit moving around yeah I'm feeling a vacancy let God come in and feel it those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength they'll mount up with wings as eagles They'll walk and not be weary. They'll go forward without fainting. Yeah, it feels like sometimes that things and pressures come against you so much that you would pass out. Your life is in the hand of the Father. Your life is His. And He has you. together.
She said, um, Carol, how, after that experience, what, does something change with you? I'm maybe paraphrasing what she's saying, but I'm, I want to share with you what really struck me after that experience. And it's honestly, it's the next verse in Psalms 119. Who Janie said, if you just look at the number, is the reverse of 911. 119. This is, I believe, God's plan for us. Listen to what 11988 says. He says, Revive me. Bring revival into my soul. He says, I want a life like this. I want it to be filled with steadfast love and I said Lord what does that mean he says what it means is the psalmist is saying the life I want from now on I want it to be steady I I don't want to keep getting knocked all over the place all the time but I want it to be steadfast I want to choose love the fastest way possible I can tell you at least me, and I don't know if you've faced death before. But the thing that I really thought a lot about in that little bit of a moment, in that little bit of time, is that love was all that mattered. That every decision you made for love, and I mean when you go across that barrier, you're mistreated, somebody does you wrong, you're, you're, you're 
you're thought wrongly of that every time or that you wanted to choose yourself at every time you would choose love. That's the thing that was going through. I get just pervading my thoughts. And I thought, man, I want a life like that. And that's what the psalmist says. Don't give me a different life anymore. Because we have a propensity to choose ourselves. Death has a way of showing you that. I want to be steadfast in love. I want my life to love. I want it to be epitomized by love. You know, you remember Bob Jones' words when he goes before the Lord and he says to, the Lord says to Bob, he said, did you learn to what? Love. And what does love look like? God is love. It's every moment of every time. It's of every choice. It's of every thought. Can my life be steadfast in love? If it can, I don't want another life anymore. I don't want my best life now if my best life now is not filled with a steadiness to choose fastly to love again. Why? Because I want the rule of my life to be revealed that I loved. I want it to become my rule. You know, we hear about the Benedictine rule. We've heard about all these covenant, you know, these these rules in these monasteries, but he's saying, I want my life to be steadfast in love. I want to be characterized like this. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me with initiatives that gives me the opportunity to give my life away. I don't want my life to be wasted. I don't want to have to stand before the Lord and say, I could have done so much more. I could have loved that and I could have loved her. I could have loved him. I could have, I could have loved my children better. I could have done so much more and it's gone. Lord, make us right now. Revive us. Revive us. Revive us with this kind of life. And give us steadfast love. Help us to be steady when the things of this world are knocking us all over the place, Lord. Help us to be steady to choose to love. Help us to love our enemies, Lord, when they strike against us. Help us to choose them over ourselves. Help when somebody mistreats us. And I want to get back that I decide I'm not going to. Help when I feel guilt come over me and shame because of my life. That I choose to love and be loved. That I can love myself because you first loved me. Yeah, Lord, I want this. I want this life. I want this life all the days of my life. I want to love and be a lover. I think the Lord would say, that's why I did this. He took his body and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. grace to love like this and he said because you need grace this is the blood this isn't an old covenant this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and may you have peace amen bless you today